0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht Komm die
1: entgegen Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host Bryce Dunn And as always we'll go over the Bundesliga match day results So on Friday night we've seen Hoffenheim 2, Augsburg 4 And Saturday Paderborn 1, Union Berlin 1 Cologne 2 Bayer Leverkusen 0 Mainz 0 Borussia Dortmund 4 Hertha Berlin 1 Freiburg nil, Bayern Munich 6 Werder Bremen 1 Late kickoff game Sein Fortuna Düsseldorf nil, RB Leipzig three, into Sunday Wolfsburg two, Borussia Gladback one, and finishing off the weekend Schalke one, Eintracht Frankfurt nil. So joining me and uh, on the podcast uh, once again is uh, Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Well, in fact, I feel that we're going to get to what you guys have been getting up to, but how are you feeling right now? We'll get to first.
2: Uh, Thanks very much, Bryce. Um, Yeah, feeling okay. Uh, Flight back from Germany today, back to the UK, back at home. Um, Yeah, already feels like I've not been away. So um, yeah, I'm okay, Bryce. Thanks.
1: Well, it's good. And it's good to have you back, might I say.
2: Um, Joining Chris
1: and I, um, as always, is Manu Vet, the creator of the Football Grad Network. And how are you feeling at this moment as well? I, I have a feeling that both you guys are going to be a little bit tired.
3: Oh man, I am, I'm exhausted, to be quite honest with you. Um, I think I literally just came back before we did this podcast because I was, I'm was i in Gelsenkirchen at the moment and this was my fifth game in six days, Bryce. So, a little tired, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this podcast because I think we have lots to tell.
1: Yeah absolutely I'm not surprised you guys are tired at all as we mentioned at the end of the podcast last week um that both of you are meeting up you're covering uh Champions League games and then going into the Bundesliga match day um over in Germany Manu, man are you still there as well it it almost feels like the Champions League games where it was months ago. Um, at this rate, and that's just for me. And I wasn't even doing the travelling. So, um, well, we'll go to um you, Manu, and you can explain just exactly um how your experience was and where it started all off.
3: So, I actually started in Salzburg. Um, to cover the Salzburg game against against Liverpool. Um, thank you very much, Chris, for lending me your chair. Um, it was very much appreciated. It was very comfortable. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a really interesting experience. I covered that game for for both Pro Soccer USA, um, the Jesse Marsh angle on that. Then I did a story on Forbes for, of course, on Erling Haaland who was um, a striker that we're going to probably talk about a little bit later on. And then, um, of course, covering Liverpool for Fußballstadt, so taking over Chris's duty for just a match day, and I think it worked out quite well because um, Liverpool went through against a very attractive playing playing side. I, I think Jurgen Klopp, um, you know, was was very respectful towards the Austrian opponents, really praised them highly, and he was quite right. They're a very good team, and I was very excited to watch that game, and I thought it was a very good game. Um, and then, of course, you know, they ended up signing one of the, the, those guys pretty much straight afterwards, uh, Minamino from, from Salzburg, and... Yeah, it's, it's 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 an interesting project. So I did that, and then uh, straight back to my normal Bundesliga duty on on Wednesday. I was at Bayern. Um, I covered Bayern against. Tottenham, Jose Mourinho, of course, uh, did a little bit of story for Forbes for that one because Bayern went 6 out of 6, the first German team to win all 6 of the Champions League group stage matches. Of course, another record for the Rekordmeister, um, they break a lot of those. I think it was a very important win for Bayern because they, of course, had lost 2 games before that, um, 2-1 against Leverkusen, 2-1 against Gladbach, so for them to win this game was, I think, very important. And then, of course, Continuous got one of those goals, and as we learned later in the podcast, maybe that kicked off things for him as well. And then, um, this is where we bring in Chris. I went to Gladbach, but before that, Chris uh, covered some game in Leverkusen.
2: I did, indeed. Um, I was lucky enough to go to buy Leverkusen and um, watch them play against Juventus. Cristiano Ronaldo was there. and um, might be a privilege for some people to watch Cristiano Ronaldo. Unfortunately, the last time I saw him live was in Kiev in a Champions League final, so Brought back a few bad memories for me, um, but on the whole, yeah, Juventus. Um, I mean, they won two nil, but they pretty much played that game in in third gear. Um, it was it was a win win situation for Leverkusen. Really, they if they beat Juventus and then hoped that Lokomotiv Moscow could get a positive result against Atletico Madrid, they would have gone into the round of sixteen in the Champions League. Um, any other combination of results, and they would have dropped into the Europa League, which they did. They were beaten two nil, which I think on the end was um, a little bit of a harsh um, a harsh scoreline. 1-0 per, perhaps would have was spread the game easy, would have told the, the, the real story of the game. Um, Higuain's goal in the very, very last minute um, probably just put a little bit too much of a shine on it for Juventus. But yeah, Juventus were, had already qualified. So um, I think in the match report that I did for um I put that they, it was almost like a training game for them with their main... Um, The main main message for the day was not get injured. Um, Leverkusen gave it a real good go. um, But unfortunately, I think, although we spoke to Peter Bosch afterwards and we spoke to Lukas Stratzki as well, um, he said that the team didn't know what the score was. From watching in the stands, I think after 60 minutes, it became quite um, evident that someone knew what was going on. Um, But yeah, standout for me, Bryce, was uh, Moussa Diaby, who is an... Excellent player. Seems to have no fear um, going forward Um, by Leverkusen getting a great buy from um, another massive club, Um, bringing a player in um, to give them a chance to get going. Um, And, yeah, I think he's got big things coming for him.
1: And then both of you fellas uh, met up in Gladbach, I believe, on Thursday ahead of uh, the Europa League game. And, uh, well, Manu, how did that game go? Obviously, um, Gladbach um, still had a lot to play for
3: yeah, we actually met up in Leverkusen and then took the, the train. It um, turned out to be quite the journey. Um, we took the train from, from Leverkusen to Köln. Uh, for, no, we took the Leverkusen bus to the DFL headquarters. And then we took a train from DF, the DFL headquarters to Gladbach. And then from Gladbach, the connection was back to Düsseldorf and then from Düsseldorf to... Um, Back to Leverkusen. It was it was quite a day, it was a long day, but I, I think it was an interesting day. I don't say wanna say it was a good day because Gladbach unfortunately went out and and what was a very very, very cold night in Mention I have to say I think I was wearing two layers, um, you know, ski pants underneath my my jeans, um long t shirt, a, ja- a sweater a jacket and another sweater and gloves, and it was still freezing cold, the, the, the Borussia park, on a very, very cold night. And I think that the court is, um played a bit of a role because Gladbach were good, but it, um, the passing wasn't just, it was quite, not, not quite crisp enough. And Chris and I, we looked at each other and like, look, this game should have been long wrapped up at halftime, and they were only up, it was only 1-1, you know, they took the lead. And then uh, the Turkish side, Basak, see here, or she um, as I was told um, by one of our Turkish taxi drivers on the weekend. That's how you say it, apparently. Um, they equalized with a shot, Ifkan Can, a shot from 25, 28 yards out, and uh, someone went down, and I suspect he was freezing at this stage because it, 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 the movement was all off, and then he he caught the ball, but it bounced forward, and then bounced backward, and it kind of rolled into the net, and it made it 1-1. And in the second half they had more chances, but it Chris, it just looked like they couldn't finish this game and then it came the way it you know it always goes in football.
2: Yeah, I thought for the maybe for eighty yards of the pitch, um, I thought Gladbach were excellent. It was that it was that final twenty yards. Um and and, a, and it's not one player, it's not like you could isolate one of the forwards and say, Do you know what, they had a particularly poor game. It was it was the level of passing from from everybody really in that final quarter of the pitch was, was really off. And I mean, there was, there was runs being made, um, I mean, Diara and, but just the ball behind him and not in front of him and, and the crosses that were off. And it was just, it was very unglad back. Like, and you could tell, um, that maybe there was going to be a sting in the tail. And yeah, it was really sad for, you much in glad back um i spoke to one of the stewards at the end um whilst Mano was just finishing off his report i was chatting to one of the stewards i said to him maybe it was a good thing um, they could now go on and just concentrate on the bundesliga put all their reserves and effort into that um he he agreed a little bit but then you know they haven't had a title there bryce since 1975 so um, I think, a little like you and I, Liverpool supporters, they would only be happy if they were 10 points clear with 9 to play. Um, and on this match day, of course, we've uh, seen Erby Leipzig go top. So, yeah, it's not been the best of weeks. But, I mean, I was concerned how this defeat would affect Gladback because, I mean, Lars Stindl came out of the mix zone. A man who was upstairs speaking to Marco Rose in a press conference. So I went downstairs to the mix zone. Um and i would normally try and speak to a player but Lars Stindl looked like someone had told him one of his grandparents had died um he, he looked shell shocked he looked like he'd been crying um he did not look happy um and obviously you know the players are human at the end of the day so yeah, i didn't even bother no one in the mix zone wanted a, wanted to press him just let him get on with it and and walk off and go home and you know have a good sleep but yeah it was a, it was a strange one for gladback because it was if if you were to rewatch the match and take the goals out, and someone said at the end, guess the score. You, I think you would have said three 0 to um, to Gladbach, but unfortunately for them, it wasn't the way. But a little bit like um, Leverkusen, I think I think the Champions League round of sixteen would have been too much for Leverkusen, and I think with the possibilities that Gladbach have at the moment, um, maybe the distraction of Europe will be too much. Um, you see what it did to Eintracht Frankfurt the other year. They were in a strong Champions League place um, and then it sort of fell apart on that road to the Europa League semi-final and then they didn't even get in, um, you know, into the Champions League after that and I I would hate for that to happen to Gladbach because they've had such a good season.
3: Yeah, actually, you know, Chris I spoke to Mark Rose and asked him um, I did not make the mistake that the Bild Zeitung guy made uh, and asked him whether it's an advantage, uh, whether it's a disadvantage not to play in the Europa League he did not like that that question very much. but I did ask him about the passing and the, the, the way they, they played that game. And he, he what I really liked about it is that he was very honest and frank about it and said, look, we just didn't play well. Our passing was off. Um, our runs were, were good, but the ball just didn't go where it was supposed to. And um, he basically, when I when I told him what we observed, what we chatted about, he said like, yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. This, that's that's how it looked like for me as well. And it's just been off. And I, I think um, he said it was a lot of games for them. And um, he he said, look, without the Europa League games, it means that um, yes, this the squad is going to be big, but the truth of the matter is that they also had a lot of injury problems in recent weeks. And I think it's showing a little bit. And, um, this time of the year can be very tricky to play in Germany. I mean, you experienced the weather that we had just now, right? It, it's tricky. It's very, very tricky. And I, I think for them, they're just, they all just want to get into the winter break and, um, rest up a little because today I watched the game when I was in the, the press conference, um, at at the press conference room of Schalke, in the Feldtins Arena, and they were very good against Wolfsburg once again, but um, they had a... Wolfsburg scored a 92nd-minute goal with Maximilian Arnold, to win that game, and it was pretty much a replica of the game that they experienced on Thursday, and I I almost wonder if they they not only need the break to rest their legs, legs, but also maybe a a mental break a little bit. That can be really good for sides like that to just recharge a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean if we if we wind the clock back twelve months, and the Gladbach were were doing excellent again. Um obviously Dortmund were top, but Gladbach were top for a, a long period and they sort of fell away in the second half of the season. Um I'm hoping for their sake that they don't because, you know, that's I think that's my third or fourth time now to Borussia Park and um yeah, you're quite right. This time of year, um, it is difficult to play football. Especially in that area. I don't think People understand how flat the Rhineland is. So when Manu and I came out of Borussia Park, you know, I joked to Manu that if there was no buildings here, you could literally see all the way over to Dortmund, possibly, because it is just so flat. And that means that when you do get an ice cold wind, it just rips across all you know the plains of the Rhine, and and Borussia Park is a cold place to play football. Um, as as was um, Kern the day after, but Leverkusen just as cold, Dortmund just as cold. So you know, there's these teams that are having to play in um, in, in real extremes of temperatures. And okay, it might have been three or four degrees, but when you put that wind in, I mean, I checked the weather at one point, and it said real feel of like minus four. And Manu and I were wrapped up well. I was the same. I'd you know, Under Armour um, top and bottoms on under my um, under my clothes, and I had jacket and jumper, and I was cold and there was players out there, Bryce, in, in just shorts and t-shirts. So you can see how it can affect them. Um, and yeah, I, I think if I was a footballer in that area, I'd be looking forward to the warm weather climate in Marbella or wherever it was coming next.
1: Well, Chris, do you think, um, once again, obviously the weather, sure, can play into it, but uh, Gladbach losing over the weekend, uh, just um, you know slipping up slightly after such a great win against uh, Bayern Munich. Do, do you think that, You know, as Manu said, you know, the winter break is coming at the perfect time for them. And actually, with the midweek game uh, against Paderborn and then next weekend, their final one being against Hertha Berlin, maybe two kinder fixtures actually for them to pick up maybe four or six points to go into the winter break uh, on a bit of a, a positive note.
2: They do need to pick up those pick they do need to pick up those um wins before the winter break because I mean there was clear daylight at the top now, um and now there is and it's not in their favour. So that's gonna be a difficult one for them. Um it's just how they respond really. I mean Paderborn um aren't that good on their travels, um so maybe they could be, be happy with that, but they need I think they need a win there very quickly because what they don't want is um is to follow up a um, defeat midweek um in the europa league obviously swiftly followed by a defeat today they don't want to um, get pick up another defeat they need to get points back on the board because what they don't want bryce is to go into this winter break in a bad frame of mind because they come out of it and then you know they'll have another set a uh, tough set of fixtures um to go again and oh, i've just got the feeling that maybe Bayern are getting a little bit better now dortmund do we're going to talk about as well um you know schalke are grinding out results there's there's sides around there um, who are incapable of picking up points, and then you've got dangerous sides like Union Berlin that, that the likes of Gladbach need to worry about. So, yeah, it's going to be a difficult one for them, but um, I'm hoping they can do it for their sakes because, as I say, they're they're a great club, um, got a real good fan and friendship um, with Liverpool, have done for years since the 77 European Cup final, um, and, and I like the place. It's very nice. As I said to Manu, Uh, The green light is very relaxing. I I do like the colour green and and obviously the stadium basks in green at night. So, yeah, it's, it's a lovely place.
1: Well, absolutely. They'll be trying to pick up as many points as they can before that winter break and go in on a high, just as Chris said. Um, Manu, it's a, so you guys um, weren't finished there um, at the. Uh, we'll talk about Saturday, and um, it, it was the the Rhine Derby. It, it was uh, Cologne hosting by our Leverkusen, and you were heavily involved. Um, With Leverkusen, obviously in the build-up to this, um, and then witnessed a game that, if I'm being honest, um, I didn't see this result coming. I thought uh, Bayer Leverkusen would probably come out on top as Cologne haven't been very good of late. I think this is their first win in six, if I'm right off the top of my head, but they won that game 2-0. Manu, another busy day for you and an unexpected result.
3: (laughs) Yeah, um, it was an unexpected result, although I, I have to be honest, the game was dull. It it was not a good game. And um, I asked Peter Boss about the game afterwards, and he said to me, um, I think any neutral would have shut it off after 30 minutes. <laughs> That's an actual quote by the head coach. Uh, I think he's quite right. It was a very dull game. I think Köln dragged Leverkusen down to their level and Bosch also said this is the worst game they've ever played since he's been in charge and I think that's quite right because although they have lost games in the past at least you know they they played attractive football while doing so and and there was nothing like that it was wrong passes um, passes that shouldn't meet the target runs that were all over the place um. Havertz, Kai Havertz had an absolute stinker of a game, um, produced a dive at one point. It's just, it was not a good game by Leverkusen. And Köln did what they needed to do. I mean, you can't really blame them for going into the game like that and um, to, you know to get the three points that they, they desperately need. Um, but I, what I thought was, <laughs> at least for me, and I'm you know, curious what Chris thinks about this as well, but um, for me, it was really interesting to get to know Leverkusen as a club. Um they were very good setting us up with uh, first Lukas um the goalkeeper, and then Simon Rolf is the sporting director and Chris, of course did an article on Hradetsky, uh, so i 'm gonna let him chat about that a little bit but simon Rolf is I did an article on that for Forbes and um asked him about eszeiel uh, palacios the argentine midfielder that they're bringing in or wanting to bring in I get you know as Chris said to him in the interview you 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 can tell by the smile. Um, I think that deal is is very much done and um, why a player like that is so important and you really get a sense that they're trying to be a club that can push that top six and we're not talking top six in Germany we're talking top six in Europe and really trying to find those gems and do only really produce players for the very elite European clubs and I think that the result aside on the weekend and many of results, and we've been both, we've been all very critical of Leverkusen in the past for the playing style. I actually asked Ruffus about that as well. He said like that it, it's the big picture that matters to them the most, not not the small individual games. And he understands that like that can be frustrating in time for viewers, but there is a plan in place, and I really get the sense that there is a plan in place um, to. To develop players, to develop elite players. I mean, Chris, you mentioned Musa Diaby already, right? And I mean, that's another player who was just absolutely fantastic. So, I I get the sense that there is actually a plan in place.
2: Yeah, there is. And when we spoke to Simon Rolfus, it, it was it was quite evident that you know they're built Leverkusen are built to deal with that. They bring in players who they identify as technically good, and, and I thought it was interesting for him to identify South America as one particular area where they like to look at and, and maybe not just South America, but also Spanish sides as well. You know, they're very tactically good on the ball and they've got a lot of talent and a lot of flair and, and technically excellent. Um, and he thinks that the, the Bundesliga is suited to the physicality of those players as well. And um, I think Leverkusen have built something special because, you know, they've had players come in and, and go on to even bigger and better things. Of course, if you um, look at um Hernandez, Chicarito, who came in uh, into the club at a time when he was pretty much written off by everybody else, he had a wonderful time, and, and then he left and went to West Ham, didn't have a particularly good time. Um, but whilst he was at Leverkusen, they got the very best out of him. Same with Danny Carvajal as well, who's now obviously at um, Real Madrid. So these these players they can take in, and they have that atmosphere, and it's a very community club. Um, and, and they're able to do that well, which is, is very interesting for me to see, Manu, because obviously you just look at Bayer Leverkusen as... as this is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC+, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men. New series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. And you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus. Only the good stuff.
0: It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
2: Um, although they've been established for a very long time now um they are still a company side so it was nice to see that actually um they're more of a community side and and more in keeping with german football and manny and i met their fan groups on the saturday and the president of one of their fan groups was quite quite keen to say that you know this club isn't a corporate entity it was devised by the workers themselves they approached by a pharmaceutical and asked could they have sporting clubs, gymnastic club, was set up first? And I think it was really funny they didn't want a football club at first because they thought that it was a crazy game from England, a waste of people's time, which was very good. <laughs> I thought that was excellent. Um And, you know, they eventually caved in and, and made a working football team for the workers. So, um yeah, it's very, very much like um at Wolfsburg and, and Schalker in some way. You know, they're all, Schalke are the workers of the area. Um, although there's no direct tie to the company a little bit different from Airby Leipzig and they were keen to stress that as well um, they were also quite complimentary to, to the way Leipzig have done things but yeah Leverkusen have, as a club was, was was excellent and I think all of that's a long-winded way Bryce Amano of saying that um, they, they have this ethos that allows them to snap players up on, on loans or very cheap buys or to spot them um when we maybe other clubs should and they bring them in and develop them and it was interesting man and that seaman rofus was was happy to do that i asked him you know does it does it pain him as a as a sporting director as someone who's in charge of recruiting young players to see wonderful players like Julian Brandt get hand picked off by Dortmund Kai Havertz will be off at some point and they've poured a lot of resource into these players and he said he was more proud that they go on Um, and and he sees them playing at the very top and he he cited Carvajal again. Um, But yeah, it was interesting for me that not they know their place, but they know where to work and they know how to chip away and and know how to make the club the best entity.
3: Yeah, and it's also like the way he explained it with the the structure, right? That really you kind of have to cheat the system um, and bring, bring in a big investor and pour in lots and lots of money to kind of artificially grow right he said if you want to do it the right way it, it takes time um that's that's just how it is and also you have to remember the the environment that they're in as a club um Leverkusen is a city of 120,000 people you know the joke is that the the main train station is not even called Hauptbahnhof it's called just simply Leverkusen Mitte because the city isn't big enough to get a Hauptbahnhof something that's pretty contentious contentiously seen by the people of Leverkusen by the way um but it, it's really interesting that 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 they're in that environment, you know, in a relatively small town, surrounded by the big cities—Düsseldorf, Leverkusen. Um, I mean, I was on—I was on. I took the S-Bahn today via Duisburg to Gelsenkirchen. It took me an hour and twenty minutes. Dortmund isn't far. Um, you know, there's a lot of big clubs around them, and they're in the, they're probably in the smallest. They are in the smallest town of the of the different cities that have clubs in the first and second division in this area. And um, they really found a niche for themselves. And by and large, together with Dortmund, are probably the most successful in this area. Yes, they haven't won any titles, um, but you know they they probably when you when when you look at the I have don't have it in front of me, but I, I, I bet I'm right. Um, first of all, together with Bayern and Dortmund, they're the longest team in the Bundesliga consecutively. And. Um, they actually have, when you look at just the point total that they've collected over the time, they are ahead of Schalke. So, they, you know, they, considering what they have, they have done very well for themselves. And I think that is that speaks for them. And it is it is a club that members and, you know, the the, the, the fan groups that live there are very, very passionate about. And I think that is something that is often very much overlooked.
1: Though so Chris, um, I suppose you, we've been guilty of uh, being fairly critical about uh, Peter Bosk. Uh, at different times, and yes, we know that he likes teams to play um, entertaining football and score lots of goals. But it seems all too often that, <clears throat> excuse me, all too often that uh, you, once they get a few good results um, under their belt, that then they end up going and doing something. I guess I know there were two red cards, but they they lose to a team that they you would expect them to win. I mean, where's this inconsistency? lying is is it bosk is it is it the players i mean you know, when are they going to iron that out because there's some great players there and some great football to be had
2: well it's quite interesting bryce i don't think <clears> the <throat> coughing disease is spreading excuse me <clears throat> i don't think they um they might iron that out because we spoke to Zeman Rolf as a man who asked him you know how frustrating is it and he, he did say it's very frustrating but he also said that they, they take young players in and, and they need time to develop and players will make mistakes. Um, and they were keen to stress that Peter Bosch is the right man. Um, and that came all the way from the back when I spoke to Lucas Strecki, who said, you know, um, Hadreski sorry, he said he'd paid, uh, sorry, he'd, he'd, um, he'd coached him and he was making him better with his feet. So he's turning around a goalkeeper who's in his 30s as well. Um, and... Lucas himself said, said he'd made mistakes. So you think back to that locomotive Moscow game, and that's the one he cited where he passed the ball straight out and it was turned back in, and that eventually set Moscow on the path to a victory they shouldn't have got in, um, in Leverkusen by rights. Leverkusen were were, were favoured to take that game. And yeah, goalkeepers make mistakes, but he was keen to, to emphasise that how much Peter Bosch just told him to keep going after that. Do what you do and it will come right eventually. So I think this win one, win two, lose, draw, drop a few points, the the inconsistency that we see, I think that they, that I don't know if they're okay with it, but they expect it because of the way they play. Now, we have been critical of Peter Bosch, um, but I think it was interesting and, and and it certainly helped me and I'm interested to hear what Manu thought of that, to get some time with him to speak to him, um, where you know you're not just listening to what other people say you can interact with him and talk to him yourself um and he's able to talk about his systems um you know i i um for the for the relative ease and quickness i asked manu to ask him a question for me because he could ask him obviously in fluent german um and and the the question and i'll paraphrase it was was um, you're very good at attacking but you're useless at defending you know discuss um and and he was very honest on that and and he said that whilst um, he, they play well with the ball, um, they're, they're aggressive with it. He says they have to be aggressive without it and you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But he was, he was also explaining that they didn't have much of the ball against Bayern, where they won, um, or against Schalke, and they really didn't have that much of the ball against Juventus. Um, and they did play well in those games. I mean, the game against Juventus, Cristiano Ronaldo made the same run ten times, and it was only on the tenth time that he scored it, but they are elite level uh, level players, and I think the second goal from Higuain comes because of the first and the fact it's the game's over. But they could have got a draw there, Bryce, and I think that would have shown that maybe they are getting a little bit better defensively. But yeah, it was good to it was good to chat to him. But yeah, I think it's something that they they are equipped to deal with the fact that they can go and, and put four, or five past the team, and then they can go to their West Balance strategy and get four put past them. Then they can go and play really well against a very, very good, pretty much full strength Juventus side um, and and just narrowly get beaten in the end. Um, and then they can go to Kern, which is a big derby and they the, all the players knew how big the game was and they can put in the sort of performance that was dreadful really. And the people we were with agreed with that and, and as Manu said, Peter Bosch agreed that it was a very poor game. So I think it's just something that if you're a Leverkusen fan, it's Dare I say it, you get used to it?
3: I really liked the whole honesty, was Chris, about you know when I asked him that question, um, he he paused and he thought about it and he was really honest too when I asked him um, about that defeat, um, you know I, I basically asked him why were you playing poorly? I phrased it, of course, very differently. And he gave it a pause and thought about it and answered it, and um, you know I think that, I think that it can be very frustrating for them to see or see you know that side play the way they do. Um but I think that you know Peter Bosch um is very much aware of the shortcomings of his system and I think he also works day and night on it to improve it. Now whether he's gonna be successful or not, time will tell. But I, I do think that there is there is um there is thought behind what he does. And I think that um, there is there's a pathway laid out for it to work. Um, Of course, the players and the staff and the sporting director they have to walk down a path and uh, finish it successfully. Because you know the the one thing um, that Simon Rolf has said, like when I think you asked him this, Chris, like what about if they finish like out of the top seven? And he's like, yeah, if you finish about outside of top seven, well, that could be a problem remember that so I mean in the end of the day it's still a result-based uh, industry
2: yeah it is most definitely and, and I asked him that manner because I spoke to um, Jochen Schneider a few months previous and he said for that particular season it was all about how the the playing style of football and, and he also said that um, in two to three years they would expect to be challenging for the um, Champions League places so I think when you're new into a club, you get a bit of time, but obviously Bosch isn't now new into that club, so that they'll want to see results come. But you look back, I thought they were set up very well against Juventus and they started well. Um, you know they've set up well against Kern, but I think it was down to the players. I wasn't particularly impressed with either the right back Wendel, uh, sorry, the left back Wendell or the the right back Bender, Van Bender, who, did, who didn't get forward. We've already discussed that Havertz was poor. Diaby was excellent for me because I think he always is he's probably the only player that had some threat on that day Kevin Volland was anonymous Emiri um, was anonymous Aaron and Gottlinger didn't really do that much in the center of the park and yeah you're quite right they were dragged down to that level so that's the sign of a team that um, that need to learn um, because they they shouldn't be dragged down to that level they should have imposed their own level on it but yeah it was it was disappointing um and i think it it was you're quite right Bryce, it was a unsupri- it was sorry it was a surprising result um i i think i tipped 4-0 for leverkusen before the match so that shows how wrong i was
1: yeah i wasn't far off and i predicted 3-1 to leverkusen so i think um most of us were probably wrong with that one
2: um guys let,
1: let's talk then a a little bit about uh, the champions uh, bayern munich they were playing uh, werder bremen on saturday and well, it was, ended up a little bit one-sided. It didn't start out that way. I am going to admit that I had a Christmas party to attend the night before. started watching this game and thought, wow, what a goal. I messaged my mate and said, well, they're one nil up. And then I woke up and it was 3-1 to Bayern Munich and it didn't stop there. I finished 6-1, uh, unfortunately. But... Um, yeah, I mean, Manu, this was very much the uh, Coutinho show. He scored uh, three goals, uh, looked very comfortable uh, had a great day out. And you know, some people were a little bit uh, suspicious about him um, joining Bayern Munich um, all those months ago. Uh, and then he um, had an impressive um, first spell. And now, once again, he has demonstrated just how good he is Um A player that's, you know, Bayern will will probably be looking to um, really get involved and on the ball as much as possible for the rest of the season if they want to keep performances like this up.
3: No, absolutely. Um, My question to you, Price, is were you awake for that goal?
1: I was awake for the first goal, yeah, which was immense, I thought. Um, I described
2: I'll i I'll just cut in there, Bryce, and say if you were asleep for the Bayern third goal, then you missed the best goal of the match.
3: Yes, I was just going to say, because that's, it's the second goal that is the one that is... Chris, when you showed me that goal, I mean, I'm just going to call it that goal from now on, because everyone should know what that goal means. Yes,
1: I had to watch it in the highlights after the game, I'll have to admit. Though wow. it, it was it was the screaming of the T V that uh, woke me up just as uh further were then uh taking the kickoff. So so yeah, unfortunately I missed that one. But yeah, check it
3: out. Don't miss it. I mean Wow, what a goal. Um The last one was pretty nice too, number three, but um someone asked me on Twitter. Which one do you mean, number two or number three? I mean, if number three was really nice, it, it would have been the goal of the match day on its own. But seriously, if you have to ask me whether it was goal number two or number three, I don't know. But um, I—it's I, I, been a long time since I've seen something like it. I mean, when Chris showed me that that goal in the in the press room at the uh, at the uh, Rhein-Energie, Rhein-Energie Stadion in, in Cologne, I was like, wow, that's incredible. So I, I backwatched it all. Um, Saturday night, is the actual Sport Studio has an extended highlight show at 11 o'clock. So I watched that and watched his interview afterwards. And um, they were quite happy with him, uh, <laughs> I have to say. And he was obviously quite happy because I think he assisted on two goals as well. He had, he had a fantastic day. And um, I kind of alluded to it. You could sense that um, he fit, starts starting to fit a little bit better into the system at uh, Bayern um you know he got the the he got a lot of playing time against Tottenham uh, he scored a wonderful goal in that game as well uh, again it it nothing will compare to the one he scored against Werder, the the, third, the second one but scored a really nice goal um in the Champions League against Tottenham had a very good day and he, he's going to be needed because Coman is going to be out until after the Christmas break right so he's going to get a lot of playing time. I mean, in general, he, he's pretty much guaranteed playing time because you looked at the bench that they had against Bremen. Um, there was Saabert Singh was on there, Lukas May. Um, you know, a bunch of young players. Sirkse was on there. That Bayern squad is very, very thin. They have five major players out with injuries. So, you know, anyone who's fit at the moment is going to play. And um, for Bayern, they have two very, very important games. Um, leading into the winter break yeah, I'm going to be the, at the one in Wolfsburg uh, against Wolfsburg in Munich um, and then of course they're playing Freiburg on Wednesday and I think for them they, they really have to get those six points because um, other teams around them are picking up as well and yes the gap to Gladbach has closed but it doesn't mean anything because the gap to other teams remains the same and they're still not in the top four so I think for them to have Coutinho ready um, to get those six massive points that they need into the winter break is, is really good news.
1: Yeah, Chris. I mean, we, we've spoke plenty, haven't we, about um, how good uh, Coutinho was at Liverpool, and you know, obviously, you and I watching with uh, a lot of interest many years ago. Um, he's going to be someone that, uh, you know, as Manu has just said, is going to be involved a lot going into the second part of the season and. Uh, it, it gives them a, a little spark, a little bit of something else, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it does. And, and the the beauty about Filipe Coutinho is the fact that he can play um, wide left, occasionally wide right, if you want him to, in a four three three formation like he did on this weekend. But then he can also drop and play in the hole. So, you know, he played in the the second line of three today. He can even play in that middle line of three if you've got a defensive midfielder like Kimmich. Then you can put him either side. So it offers some. Um, Offer some alternatives to Thiago and Goretzka if he needs to be I would probably say he'd offer an alternative to Goretzka more than Thiago but you have the ability to play in there or you have the ability to play him in, um, in in a role just behind a central striker and as we've seen today he can play on the left so if you can get the best out of him in those three strong areas then you haven't just got one player in inverted commas you've probably got two maybe even three because of, of the roles he can do um but yeah, I mean his his second goal, um, the third goal, the the no luck with the outside of his foot chip is um, is is well, it's wonderful and it's up there for me with that goal he scored against Manchester United at Old Trafford in the Europa League, where occasionally he will just give this pure world class flash of brilliance and um, that's what Bayern need because this next couple of match days, as Manu says, you know they need to pick up them results. Um, they've got a difficult away game um, at freiburg next match but crucial for them more importantly i think will be what goes on at the westfalenstadion where dortmund hope leipzig uh, dortmund host leipzig because um they they are two clubs if if they were to draw and bayern were to win that would help them a lot um and i think a strong bayern going into the winter break can only be a problem for the rest of the league because they will they will go into that break full of joy full of confidence um And they will work on wherever they go, um, be it Qatar or somewhere. um, They will work on everything they need to really attack the second half of the season. And as we've said, okay, they're fifth. um, But with Dortmund playing Leipzig and, and, you know, another classica to come at some point as well, and also another game against Leipzig, there's there's, there's ways there for them to pick up six points if they're on top form. So it's going to be really interesting. But, yeah, if you're a Bayern fan at the moment... um, Despite the terrible injury to Kingsley Coman in that Champions League game, you've got to be really excited because they're starting to click. And a little bit like last season, Manu, teams click in a certain way. They, they either click now towards the end of the, the winter pause and have a good run into the break or they click in March, which is about the time when champions click into gear.
3: Yeah, that's going to be key. I mean, you mentioned it, and it's really going to be interesting to see what they're going to do over the winter break and how they're going to get into the winter break and whether they're maybe going to get active on on the transfer market. And um, that squad is just so thin. Uh, You know, like Niklas Sule is not going to come back anytime soon. And as great as Fonzie has been on left back, I think that in the long run, that pairing of Alaba as a center back on Davies playing off him as a left back it's just not ideal. You're not going to win the trophies with that. So, you, you need you need to maybe strengthen your side a little bit. I there's rumors today. Um, I heard that uh, they're looking for a right back so that Kimmich can play in midfield because Flick prefers him there, and I understand that very much. Um, but it, yeah, they need to they need to maybe bring in another player um, for the defense because you know Lucas Hernandez is injury prone. Borteng is injury, bro, and Sule is not gonna come back until you know maybe the Euros, so I think that we might see some activity from them um, during the winter break.
1: Yeah, quite possibly uh, the winter break will come at the wrong time for Bayern Munich, apart from uh, the ability to be able to bring in players in January. Let's talk about their rivals in Borussia Dortmund, who um, seem to have turned things around a little bit, winning uh, their third game in a row, beating Mainz 4-0. That's 11 goals uh, and only, uh, scored and only conceded in one in the last three. So things are certainly looking better for the uh, Black and Yellows. Uh, Chris, uh, a fantastic result for them, um, good performances all round, uh, 4-0, rather you know, walk in the park will we say, uh, it sets them up nicely going into that midweek game that you just mentioned against RB Leipzig, uh, first against third, that's going to be a, an exciting one for us to have on this English week.
2: It is because Dortmund needed to sort themselves out because I. At- I mean, if you would have asked me six weeks ago, would um, Lucien Favre be here now still as we go into the about to go into the winter break, I would have seen it difficult because everything looked like he would be on his way out. But um, Mr. Vatska, Mr. Zork, um have stuck with him. Um, maybe they've had a little word with him because the way Dortmund uh, play is a little bit different, has been. So maybe um, Mr. Favre has stumbled on a system with a little bit of um, advice from higher up, but yeah they're playing a lot better now um and they've also got um players um, who they brought in playing better so i think hazard's starting to play a little better julian brant's been wonderful the last few games um jaden sancho despite his um earlier problems maybe 6 8 weeks ago looks to be a lot more settled um marco rois is back scoring um yeah that, i mean We shouldn't get too excited um, because, you know, they're playing Mainz as in they are a weak side. Um, You would expect them um, to to power past a side like Mainz, but you can only beat the team that's in front of you. And I don't know, maybe six weeks ago, if Dortmund would have won 1-0 unconvincingly here. I don't think they would have won emphatically. Um, It's all about the next game, though, Bryce. If they get beat against um, Leipzig at home, um, then... You know, the the, the good 4-0 four, four nil win at Mines counts for nothing, really. It's immediately knocked out by the next game. So they need to go on, not a run, but they need to pick up points where it's needed. And if they harbour any chance or any ambitions of, of having a late run at the Meister Charlotte, this is a game they need to take because I think we all know um, RB Leipzig are, are going to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. So my mantra is on this, Bryson Manu, that if you want to be champions then in order to beat the person who could be champions you need to take four points out sort of six out of them so um i think dortmund will need to take all three here against leipzig and and this could be a crucial game um as we as we head into the very final match days in well, match day be about match day 31 or 32 i think when these two teams face each other again so um yeah it, i think it's important for, for either side leipzig as well if they want to win the title they need to take you know, four points here off someone, four points there, and they they need to take the the maximum points they can off their main rivals.
3: Yeah, but there's such a scary side. Um, you know that very same steward that you spoke to in Gladbach, we, when we you mentioned it's it's been nice since 1977 with the title, and you know you, I said to them like, look, you have you have a, you have a chance. Because Bayern are struggling, and then he said, "Like, oh, but look at Leipzig, look how strong they are." And um, 100% right. I mean, there's there's such a dangerous, dangerous side. Um, you know, I, I I watched the the highlights of the game against Düsseldorf, and they were just they just absolutely smashed Düsseldorf. I mean, uh, Timo Werner has now scored 16 goals in 15 games. Um, you know, it was a very dangerous team, and I think they um. Probably the side with the best squad in Germany at the moment, um, better than Bayerns, um, and that that means that you know that means that they are the favourite now, and that mean the table underlines that.
1: Manu, uh, just to talk about um, Borussia Dortmund and their potential uh, striker issue, um, they're, they're being linked with uh, someone that well seems to be linked with everyone at the moment, including those uh, title rivals in RB Leipzig.
3: Yeah, Erling Haaland. Um, We spoke about him, I think, last week, and I had the chance to. um, I mean, and everyone wanted to ask Er um, Jesse Marsh, the Salzburg head coach, about um, Erling Haaland. I'm actually a little surprised because I think a lot of people should have maybe asked where Jesse Marsh is going to go next year because I think his prospects are quite high. I can think of a lot of Bundesliga clubs that really want him, and I've heard rumors about that as well. But. I think Erling Haaland. I mean, the story this 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 week uh, when I was in Munich on Wednesday. Um, it's this, this time of the year again, Bryce. People are tracking planes. Um, it's quite hilarious, but it's amazing what you can find out. So Erling Haaland uh, got picked up by Raiola, uh, his agent, and uh, Raiola first flew to Leipzig. He spent about two hours in Leipzig speaking speaking to Nagelsmann. And then he flew from Leipzig to Dortmund, and he visited Dortmund. And then he flew back to Salzburg, and Salzburg knew, and Salzburg um, confirmed it. Um, you know, they they have a quite open, direct policy with this kind of stuff. You know, when I asked them about uh, Minamino, the uh, player that Liverpool signed, they just told me, "Yeah, you know, we're speaking." Um, and then you know, pretty much got confirmed pretty quickly after because Salzburg were pretty honest about it. And I think they're very honest about this situation, is that that Harland has options. Um, I think he personally wants to go to Man United, but I think his father and uh, father isn't quite sure that that's the right step at the moment. And his agent Raiola is not very keen on Manchester United because of the whole Paul Pogba situation. Chris can probably talk a little bit more about that, but. Um, it, it points a little bit towards the Bundesliga and Raiola despite the whole Mechitarian mess back in the day and um, has a g- very good relationship with Borussia Dortmund which could really help Dortmund to sign him but in the end of the day we also know what the connection is between uh, Salzburg and Leipzig and yes it's being denied in all places and you can be a fan and be very very critical about it and I understand why you are but th- it's the reality right so um, I think it's I think it's pretty open at the moment where he could go I personally think that Leipzig don't really need him. You know, it would be kind of like, well, we're signing him so that no one else can have him. Um, I think Dortmund desperately needs a striker because Paco Alcazar is made out of glass. So Chris, um,
1: well, maybe you can uh, speak about him uh, a little bit further uh, about where he may end up going, but I I agree with uh, Manu and maybe the, uh, the opinion as to um, where he'll end up. If if I was uh, RB Leipzig uh, pushing for the uh, championship and you know, Brucey Dortmund were doing the same and they desperately need a striker, I would probably snap him up, especially when there's talk that they might be able to get a, a reasonable deal for him.
2: Yes. They if I mean if you're if you're Holland and you want to go to the, the club you support, then yeah, you would go to Manchester United. But I think we've seen players do that before and, and go at the wrong time. I think it would be the wrong time for him to go there. I think he would be um he would be wasted in short. Um, I think he needs to go to a team that are, are ready to take him now and and aren't going through a transitional period. That is, of course, Dortmund. I think they are ready now. They're just missing a striker. Man, who said um, Pacquiao Casas wonderful? But um, I'm going to say he's made a wee bit. It's not glass. Um, he, he just I don't think he can stand up to the rigors and and the and the pace of the Bundesliga. And obviously, Holland can because he's going to come from um, Salzburg and the playing style is very same and the austrian bundesliga is as it is in a german bundesliga so i think he would be a good fit um and i'll agree with manu if he goes to leipzig he it would be going there because he can um and we've seen teams do that i mean i mean god Bryce, the english premier league is full of teams who will just buy a player because they can and and, and no one else can i mean look at rian mares just a you know, 50 million pound player sitting on a bench at manchester city wasting away for most of his his prime years Um, I don't think Haaland would want to do that although he would get games he he certainly wouldn't get as many as he would do at Dortmund I think Dortmund would be a good fit because if he does harbour any uh, real ambitions of of going to Manchester United Dortmund would be the excellent second step for him he would get his game time in a league where he would develop even more his skills and his tactics would become quicker and sharper um, his link play would become a lot better. Bundesliga is a step up from the Austrian Bundesliga in terms of, of technique and style. Even though it's very similar, it's it's like playing on a next level. It's a lot quicker, a lot faster. Um, and then he could move on to wherever he wanted after that, be it Real Madrid, Barcelona or wherever. Um, but yeah, I, I would say right at this time, right at this moment, Borussia Dortmund would be a perfect fit for him.
1: Well guys, let's talk about another side uh, Borussia Dortmund rivals that could do with a striker which we've mentioned many a times and that is Schalke Schalke got another impressive victory a 1-0 win uh, to finish off the Bundesliga weekend against Eintracht Frankfurt that includes them even having a red card Uh, unfortunately Manu, though, um, a a big loss will be for uh, Schalke as Weston McKinney who uh, dislocated his uh, shoulder during the game, and I think we're not entirely sure, or at least last I looked um, as to how long he'd be out, but uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if we see him this side of Christmas.
3: Uh, the average injury time, uh, there's a statistic side for this, there's a statistic side for everything in German football, but there's a statistic side for this. The average injury, um, the average downtime for a dislocated shoulder is 66.4 days. Um, so, yeah, we won't see him till after Christmas. I asked David Wagner about the injury. He did confirm to me it's a dislocated shoulder. They're not 100% sure yet if he has to be operated. Um, the medical department, he is looking at that. He's working on it. Um, it was a nasty fall and a very lengthy treatment on the field. And um, it impacted Schalke. You could tell. It impacted the players. You know, if someone is being treated and is in such obvious pain and is such an important player as Weston McKenney is... Um, the fans were real good about it. They kept chanting his name throughout the match. Um, you know, just chanting West McKenney's name. And then after the game, they didn't really celebrate the game. They just chanted West McKenney's name again. Uh, I thought that was that was a real nice touch because obviously they know how important he is uh, for David Wagner. And David Wagner said that. And look, because he can play him in so many different positions. He can play him. He can play centre back. He can play midfield. He can, he played as a striker. Um, so I think it's it's really going to hurt them. What's also going to hurt them is this, and oh, I haven't seen a foul like that since the 2010 World Cup final when De Jong absolutely smashed. I think it was uh, Iniesta. Um, only this time it was actually a red card. And Alexander Nubel absolutely destroyed me at Kazinovich and one of the nastiest fouls I've seen in the Bundesliga. And I don't think actually Nubel did it on purpose. I think he just went for the ball and completely misjudged the situation. So they're gonna lose him I think for six weeks, um at least or six games because um you know a fall of that magnitude um is going to have a lengthy ban. So it was a very difficult game for them all around. And they won it anyways, but um yeah you're quite right, they're missing a striker because even in this game, first half, um Amina Harid, beautiful player, I was I think I fell in love with him uh, seeing him live for the first time in stadium. Um, great player. Um, same with Benito Raman, but they're both not natural number nines. They need. <laughs> if you look at any side in Bundesliga that could actually use Haaland, then it would be them, you know. But I don't think they're going to get him. Um, they, he would be perfect for that system. He would flourish underneath David Wagner's um, in, in that playing style, I think. But yeah, uh, they're in desperate need of a striker, and I, I think that they, they they're not that far off. Um, of actually becoming a big side you know the, the, all the other pieces are there they just need someone that scores consistently because um that 1-0 lead one nil win was a little bit too narrow
1: well this is it um chris if we talk about you the striker situation and you know manu mentioned you know they could desperately do a haaland i mean uh you know as well as likes of raymond uh is playing at the moment is it the fact that they Wouldn't be able to afford him that they haven't been successful enough in, in recent years to attract a player, you know, that has so many of these options. Um, and if not him, though, I, I can only imagine in January they're going to be doing whatever they can to get a striker in because it's been a fantastic season for them up to this point. I mean, sitting in fourth, you know, they're only five points off the top, I've done far better, as we've said plenty of times under David Wagner, than we expected this season.
2: Uh, yeah, Jochen Schneider was. Oh, well. Sports and directors don't tell you if they're going to sign someone normally, um, but he was he was keen to say that they thought they had enough striking talent at the, the the club in order to David Wagner to get you know him and his staff to work through to get them firing back on goals. But it, it looks like maybe they could do with someone coming in. Whether they get someone or not is is a different matter. Um, obviously, Raman scoring goals, Bergstaller's you know he's massively hit and miss. Um, and then Fabian Risa is you know, probably not ready that much um, as yet you know I think he's, I think he's 22 but I don't think he's got enough real top quality experience to slip into that side so it'd be interesting to see whether they go for someone or whether they try and get a loan deal um, until the end of the season because if they can get their other strikers striking um, I, I don't really think they'll have a problem but yeah, it's going to be a big miss for them at um, the, the other end of the pitch, Bryce, with um, Alexander Nubel being sent off. I'm I'm not so sure Manu will get seven seven games on that because whilst whilst it's a bad foul, I for me it's um, it is a, a serious foul play rather than a violent conduct. I know he takes him out, but I think it's I think if they review it they they will look that it is serious foul play. It's not like that De Jong against Xabi um, Alonso, which for me was violent conduct, um, even though he never got a red in that World Cup final. But um, I, I would expect a, a three-game ban on that, and I would be shocked if it went any higher. Had he had he come out with his foot out and, and kicked him in the chest or kicked him in the face, it could have been a five or six, but I think it'll just be a three, which... Will obviously play into Schalke's hands a little better.
3: Oh, it looked so bad, uh, even in lifetime. And uh, you know, the moment he hit him, uh, the referee just grabbed his back pocket, a red card. Uh, I could be curious to see what he's going to get. Um, Felix Magan on TV right away said six, but you, you might be right. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. It was it was definitely a nasty fall. But I think what you, I think that is where I'm with you, what could save him. I I, I it was not intent um he just completely misjudged that situation young goalkeeper right Neuer has done things like that similarly in in the early stages of career and they play a very similar style of football don't they he just came out misjudged the situation and boom um and that's really too bad but I don't think anyone is actually going to hold it against them even Ari Hütter the the Frankfurt coach said like look this was a football play um It happens, and he got sent off. You know, it's a just punishment. But I don't. He even he said, we do not think he did this on purpose.
1: No, I I think that's probably the three of us all agreeing that it didn't look like there was any intent in there. But yeah, still a still a rough old challenge anyway. Uh, We'll have to see what the uh, outcome of the ban is for that. Um, Schalke, as mentioned, a fantastic run and they will be finishing off the first half of their campaign um, on Wednesday night. They'll be playing in Wolfsburg and then following up on Sunday at home to Freiburg. Uh, guys, I'm more or less, does it? We've flown through this. Um, I enjoyed hearing all about your travels and obviously talking plenty about uh, the Bundesliga match day. Chris, um, after all that travel, uh, now that you're back in the country, uh, what have you got coming up this week? I'd imagine the Christmas period isn't going to be that quiet for you as you're heavily involved in English football as
2: well. Well, no, it's not going to be quiet at all. Um, I've got a, I've got a Christmas party myself tomorrow, Bryce. I've got the Forbes um, Christmas party. Looking forward to that um, in London, in Soho. So, yeah, as you said to me earlier, it's a good place to go for a party. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, a little bit of a shame that Weston McKenney's picked up an injury because I've got something for Forbes. Um, not on him as a player, just on his impact in the US and what Schalke are doing as a club to harness that impact, Um, so that will be out in the next few days Um, and then I've got a couple of English things coming out on Forbes or Premier League related things coming out on Forbes Um, and and yeah, just the, the Premier League recap for the International Champions Cup as well, but yeah, it's all busy, Bryce.
3: And Manu, what
1: about yourself, what have you got coming up
3: this coming week? Yeah, I'm at the Vera the game uh, on Tuesday. I did a piece, of course, on, on Klaus Philbrey, the CEO. So I'm finally following up on an invite to actually go see the club. I'm um, really looking forward to that on Tuesday. Um, other than that, I'm, I have a busy week ahead of me, but I can't really say yet what it is. It's a little bit of a secret. It's going to be announced at some point, I guess. Um, Forbes, I did an interview with Simon Rolfes. That article is out um, on, on Forbes, and you can find that on my Twitter feed, at Manuel Um, then of course the International Champions Cup Bundesliga Roundup is done and dusted so that will be out soon as well and yeah the usual content going to preview the Bayern and Dortmund game uh, for this week and then of course next week I'm on Saturday I'm at Bayern against Wolfsburg so we're going to preview and report from that as well and the usual you know Bryce it's always lots and lots of content
1: Yes, well, that's it. The guys will be as busy as ever. And if you want more football in your life, head over to the likes of Twitter and go to at Football Live. There will be plenty of additional info on there um, That more or less does it for this week I've been your host Bryce Dunn You can find me on Twitter at Dunn 11 Enjoy the midweek English games um, There's plenty will happen by the time we podcast again because it'll be after the Sunday game So um, and then we'll be going into the winter break so uh, we'll be able to break down the first half of the season then, very exciting times. Well enjoy it all and until then, Auf Wiedersehen
0: Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D R I Z L Y.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V
3: on YouTube.